Here's a question. How does an ordinary person land their dream job in the sports industry immediately after graduating? Welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. I'm Ruben Williams. And I'm Ryan Walker. In 2017, we said goodbye to exams and hello to full-time work. This is a behind-the-scenes reveal of exactly how the best sports industry professionals in the world created careers that most only dream of. We believe every dream job in sport is worth chasing, and that's why we want to give you the tools to make it a reality. For a proven process to getting jobs in sport, download our free ebook. How to Get Jobs in Sport, The Sports Grad Method. You can get this for free at www.sportsgrad.com.au. Hello and welcome to The Sports Grad Podcast. My name is Ryan Walker and with me, as always, is the torn Ruben Williams. How are you today, mate? I am fantastic, my friend. It's good to finally have you back. We went a couple of episodes going solo now we're back together. I feel a lot more comfortable now. Despite you calling me torn, I feel <laughs> together again. Well, yes, I must say it is so much better being here together uh, than being alone. I was very lonely the other day um, and I don't want to do that again. So, I feel much better being with you now. How is the hamstring, the reason for me saying <laughs> torn? I believe it's off the bone or or how is it? Uh, I don't think it's quite that bad. There was a little... Little ping over the weekend. Um, yet to get it checked out from the physio, so I can't give a proper diagnosis just yet. But I'll I'll stop neglecting that soon and hopefully get back out there for the Lawn Dolphins. But uh, how are you going? What's what's news with you? Sort of same old, same old. It's kind of that point in the year from a work point of view where we kind of start again the cycle of the new season. So it's starting to get pretty busy. Obviously. All of our partners are starting to think about, you know, what are their objectives for the year and what are they, what are they going to do? So it's getting pretty busy at work, which is which is great because we're looking ahead to the ashes, which is amazing. So busy, but I feel good. It's a good time of year, and it hasn't really got that cold yet in Melbourne. I must say the weather's been delightful. I don't know what it's been like down there in Lawn, but uh, some great weather over here on the weekend. But we could talk about the weather all day. That's actually not a good sign when you talk about the weather. It means the conversation's not going that well, but I disagree in this instance. So today, our guest, Kalia Stanton from the Melbourne Vixens and Netball Victoria, an absolute legend. Uh, I loved speaking to her on a whole range of stuff. We sort of spoke about her netball career, but also her career in sport, which is currently really flourishing. So what was uh, what was a highlight for you, my friend? Yeah, she was really interesting because we haven't talked to someone who's got a dual career before. For those who don't know, she's playing professional netball and working in that diversity and inclusion role. And so, what I found super interesting was how, you know, even the even the stars of the super netball competition still have to apply for their jobs. They don't just get handed the role because they're, they're players of the competition. So, for Kalia to kind of share the process that she had to go through at Netball Victoria to get a role. Uh, was super interesting, I found. What I found really interesting was her time management strategies. Obviously, being a professional athlete, you know, and balancing that dual career, she's one of the more busier people I've I've ever seen. So, some of the strategies she spoke about was was awesome and I can't imagine being that busy. So, it was a good insight looking into her, her calendar. Yeah, and some of the detail into actually looking at her Google calendar was was quite incredible too. But 
Finally, like the last point, which I thought was really cool to hear about was her role in diversity and inclusion and learn more about that space. It's not a space that we've dived into in the past. So for uh, Kaylee to share her passion for it and to share what actually goes in, uh, goes on inside those sort of roles and what sort of programs they're leading and who they're for and the impact they're creating was was really, really cool to, to see because you hear a lot about the elite levels, what goes on to make a, a professional sporting match happen, but you don't hear so much about what are some of those community programs going on at the grassroots. So for her to be able to give us that insight was a nice change up. Absolutely, mate. Well, grab a pen and enjoy this chat with Kalia Stanton. Kalia, welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast. Thanks for having me on. A loss yesterday. Uh, I, for one, Ruben knows this very well. I'm I'm glued to the TV most Sundays watching the Vixens running around. Um, <laughs> how did you go? Did you, did you hit a super, is it a super shot, I believe it's called? Yeah, I managed to get two super shots in, which was nice, but unfortunately wasn't enough to get us over the line with the win. Yeah, the, the Suncourt super shot is my favourite part of netball rubes. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Have you? It's pretty no, bloody I, awesome. I haven't, he- I haven't heard about the super shot. Is this, I presume, what is this, something from outside the arc? <laughs> yeah, something well, like that. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's a two-point two shot, which is revolutionary in netball. Our guest, Kay, is uh, one, of the, one of the best at it from what I've seen. So, um, <laughs> it's personally got me very excited for netball and luckily, Kay can do them most weeks. So, it's exciting. Um, you've come from Perth to Melbourne, like uh, many of us before you. Uh, there's a lot of Perth people over here. How have you found the switch from Perth over to Melbourne? Yeah, I found it really good. I've absolutely loved my time here in Melbourne so far. And for me, coming from Perth, born and bred over there, and uh, yeah, grew up playing netball and athletics and any other sports I could get my hands on. And then, yeah, moving over to Melbourne this year after seven years with the West Coast Fever. Um, Obviously, a big change for me and a big shift, both in my personal life, but also professionally as well. Obviously, all my family and friends are from Perth. And um, moving over to Melbourne, I had some connections with people here in Melbourne, uh, friends, um, you know, but in terms of that professional side of things I hadn't necessarily developed those relationships so yeah it's taken a bit of time to build on those and I think it's just really a lifestyle change but I think for me given I'm a massive foodie and love coffee uh, Melbourne couldn't have been a better location. Well you're joining two other coffee snobs uh, on this chat <laughs> but you did you did mention the uh, the mighty west coast fever uh, where you quickly became a, one of the great up-and-coming players over there how did the west coast fever differ from the Melbourne Vixens? Uh, they're like literally two different clubs and I guess like any sport and AFL is probably a good example. There's a lot of clubs out there. They run their operations like a very tight ship. And I think both clubs have, um, fantastic people up above, um, you know, in coaching roles. And we've seen the, uh, West Coast Fever coach in Stacey Marinkovic now become the Australian Diamonds coach as well. So that pathway in WA is really strong and it's a really, um, good pathway for athletes to follow as well. And coming over to Melbourne, um, netball is kind of, I guess, you know, the hub here in Victoria. And it's always been 
such a professional organisation. I think Melbourne Vixens do it really well and the consistency of what they produce out on court year after year is second to none and you can't really fault them. I think for me coming over here, um, it's such a fantastic organisation to be a part of um, as an athlete but also in the office as well. And for me to be able to to do that I think is, yeah, a real testament to the, the culture and the work ethic of the of the group. A lot of uh, a lot of discussion on our end around what you know what the week looks like for a, for a professional netball player in Australia. Can you give us a bit of an insight of you know what does Monday to Sunday look like for you at the moment? Yeah, and so just so- just to add to that, you mentioned you mentioned in the office too, so I'm I'm keen to hear how that kind of fits in. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, as an overarching statement, I don't have a lot of downtime. Let's just put it that way. My days are usually filled with either playing netball, training netball, or working in the office. Um, and if I'm not at either of those two spots, I'm either eating food or sleeping. So um, it's not <laughs> that exciting. Um, Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So for me, Monday to Friday, uh, it's a normal working week. For me, I work 19 hours in the office, and uh, my role is in diversity and inclusion. And I am in charge of programs for people with a disability um, and including them and getting them to, um, you know, find more programs for them to be involved in netball. And then I also work with um, Indigenous programs as well. Um, There is a state team for um, the people with disabilities, which is the Murray Little Shield. So I'm in charge of running that um, acts just like a normal state team, but um, for people who uh, are part of a separate stream. Um, and yeah, my role in that is quite busy and there's lots happening. And I think as we get closer to winter, um, the kind of programs pick up. So it becomes quite busy, which is also in line with the netball season. Um, and a lot of things do cross over. So we have indigenous round coming up, uh, soon in June. And, um, for me, part of my role is helping out with the indigenous dress design, so there's a lengthy process that goes behind picking the artist for that design and making sure that it's okay and um, appropriate and then also making sure that it looks good on the dress. And, um, yeah, there's a whole process around what that looks like. There's a smoke. Sometimes in the past there's been smoking ceremonies for the dresses and there's um, a real culture aspect to that whole round. Anyway, that's that side. I feel like I could talk about that for ages. Um, but then Please do. <laughs> Um, my normal week for netball is about 20 to 25 hours um, training and doing stuff for training so for me that involves shooting I'm a shooter so I play goal attack goal shooter and it's important for us to make sure we're getting volume of shots so um, on any given day we're shooting between 100 and 200 shots per day and that ranges from different things that we have to do we also have massages, recovery sessions, ice baths, team meetings, individual meetings, what we call PA sessions, which are performance um, analysis sessions where we review the previous game that we've played but also um, scouting for the upcoming game. We have a lot of um, training sessions. Uh, as shooters, we get there half an hour before the training session starts to warm up and do some shooting, so that's on top of Um, what we do with the other shooting sessions. Um, And then we also have our team run and captain's run, which is the session before the game. Um, Contrary to the name, the captain does not take it and no, it is not a run. It is just a light training session, but I'm (laughs) 
Not sure why it's been I've called always, that. I've always thought, like, because don't you reckon in, you know, NRL, AFL, all the sports, it's always called this captain's run. And it's just like, okay, I don't think Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles running training that day. Like, I can't, I can't really see that happening. I don't know why the captain's run is being run with in, in this. So, a weird one. Did I do a captain's run down at Lawn Dolphins, Rose? Uh, yes, the, the coach was actually just away for, for two weeks, so the captain's run has oh. been going for a back-to-back <laughs> sessions. Jeez, well, I, I'm just going to shut up now because it is a thing. So, <laughs> please continue. Cut. Well, it depends if he coaches on holidays or not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so in pre-season, the schedule's a little bit different again. So, we um, have a different schedule to what I've done previously. So, West Coast Fever would have two sessions a day and that would be one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Coming over to Melbourne, we do it differently and have um, a huge chunk in the morning because quite a number of people are actually based all over Melbourne. It's not just everyone in the CBD and metropolitan area. We've got quite a lot of girls. We've got three people who live down in Geelong. So they travel to Melbourne every day to train um, and they make that commitment. Um, So we have our sessions in blocks. So We had, for example, on a Monday, we'd start at 7 a.m. So you arrive 15 minutes before the session starts because you never arrive just on time. That would be the worst thing you could possibly do. Um, And then you have your session from 7 to 8, have a bit of a break, then go straight into gym and go gym from 9 to 10.30. And then if you have a massage or whatever after that for half an hour, then you'll do that. So you're in the club or, you know, you're in the office, I guess, from about 7 to 11, um, and then you head on with whatever else you've got for your day. So, yeah, and that's work for me. Kaylee, does everybody work at the club or is it just you? Like how did you end up in this role? Yeah, so I studied um, at university. Um, I studied nutrition and health promotion double degree and finished that end of last year. I'm very fortunate to be able to give in um, a role at Netball Victoria and for me to be able to do that uh, in line with my netball commitments is incredibly special and I'm very grateful for that opportunity. Obviously, there's a number of athletes who have stuff on outside. Quite a lot of athletes study um, or they actually work um, casually or part-time um, where wherever they can kind of get that work and it just depends. Like we've got a girl, one of the girls on the team works at Spotlight um, myself's in an office. We've got one girl who works in an office as well, part-time down in Geelong. Um, so everyone's got different things. A lot of girls pick up coaching jobs here and there as well. So, um, that's another source of income that people can get. And I think for netball as a, as a sport, we've grown financially, um, going from, you know, not really making any money and having to support yourself with another full-time job to actually having athletes being able to only play netball as their full-time as their full income, sorry. And I think that's, you know, a real growth point for the sport, but there's so much more we can be doing as well. So, was that something that you had to apply for or they saw you when they wanted to get you as part of the Vixens and notice the degrees that you held and thought you'd be perfect for this role? Yeah, no, I just said, hey, guys, I'm available, let's go. And they were like, sure, no worries. Um, no, that's not what happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish I was like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just put your name in a ballot and they pull it out. It's just a miracle. It should work. Um, yeah, easy. So, you, so it's, there's a um, contracting period. So uh, you can't sign anyone from another team until the day after the grand final. That's the ruling. And uh, you can sign someone from your own club 
uh, prior to that. But anyone from outside, from another club, you have to um, do it after the grand final. So it's usually quite a busy period um, for everyone and there's a lot of, I guess, rumours flying around and um, a lot of stuff happening and you're trying to work out where your spot is if you haven't got one. And for me last year, I was in a position where I didn't necessarily know the outcome at the end of the season and uh, we got back to... Perth after being in a hub for three months um, was in quarantine on the uh, first Wednesday and three days into quarantine I got a call slash Zoom from my coach who said um, unfortunately we don't have a position here at West Coast Fever really sorry about it but yeah we won't be taking you on board next year and that was a really hard uh, situation I found myself in and it was really um, challenging given I'd been with the club for seven years uh, fast forward three weeks later, I was offered a contract with Vixens and I had to go through a process of interviews um, with the coaching staff and management and um, a co- like couple of meetings with my manager as well and had to put a letter together to, you know, describe what my strengths are. Um, a bit of a CV, which is a bit weird in sport because quite a lot of your CV is on display every single day at training or on, you know, the screens watching TV and I guess your stats are everywhere as well. So it's really hard to hide from those. So um, I'm not very good at selling myself and, and talking about myself. I find that quite uncomfortable and um, putting myself in that position was really challenging. And I think as athletes, uh, we have all these talents and abilities, but I don't think we're really good at describing them and, and understanding what they are and translating them into the workforce as well. I think you know, I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but I feel like for so many athletes, it's really hard for them to know how to utilize their skills as an athlete and what they can bring to the outside world and business or whatever they happen to do outside of sport and when they finish. And I think that's the the thing I've really noticed is um, as an athlete, you have more to give than you realize. And yeah, that's something I've really taken since starting my role. Don't, you know, go into this too much if you don't want to, but I was just going to ask you and we, you know, a a lot of that, that we talk about on this podcast is more around. So, you know, like an interview and, you know, how you deal with the failure of not not getting a job you wanted or, you know, you went through all the stages, didn't quite get it. But I just wanted to ask you sort of how, how did you sort of deal with that? It's obviously not a failure, but how did you deal with sort of getting told that news and, you know, what, what, what were you able to do is to sort of get through that disappointment? Yeah, it, look, it was probably one of the most challenging moments I've faced professionally and I think I've... I've had many jobs casually and a lot of, you know, your high school jobs. So working at a shoe store and I worked at my old, at my dad's shop when he had um, his own business going and I've always had something like that in the background. So I know when it comes to jobs, um, you know, they're just kind of, you know, there. And when you're actually going for something you really want, when you really want to go for that job and it's not just your you know, Saturday pocket money, it's actually something you want to invest time and energy and make a career out of. It can be really hard to put yourself in that position and um, to be upfront about what you want and I guess be vulnerable as well in, in knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are. And when that gets shot down, it can be really hard to know how to, in, you know, embrace that and, and know how to come back from that and that resilience and, and the courage that it takes to get back up there and put another application together. And yeah, for me, in terms of netball, I didn't know where I was going to land in 2021. I didn't know that I was going to be signed to Vixens um, and it was a really tough process for me because at the time I had just finished my double degree, which took me nine years to complete, um, so a really long time. On top of that, 
I didn't have a job to go to and I didn't have anything lined up because um, my understanding was that I was going to get another contract with West Coast Fever. So the mindset was that, you know, it could happen and I, I might be able to get a job outside, but what does that look like as a new graduate as well? Coming out of university, there's not a heap of jobs, especially, you know, given what happened with COVID as well. That was really hard to know how to handle that. And I think initially I just started applying for silly jobs like reception jobs or or part-time jobs in a real estate firm or I actually didn't do that I actually applied to the HR company that's how dumb I was at the time and I was very <laughs> I was very annoyed <laughs> with myself that I did that um but you know like I've got those kind of embarrassing stories that that happens and I think for me to be able to get back up and pick myself up in those moments and have the conversation I think that's the key thing for me is that in those moments, it's about having a conversation with someone else and really letting them in, getting them to listen to what you have to do and where you want to go and, and putting those out there, not just saying, oh, yeah, I want to get this job and, and then doing nothing about it. It's actually making something happen and maybe it's having a coffee with someone who might not be the exact person you need to, but maybe they know someone else who can help you along your way and, and find where you want to in whatever role that happens to be. And for me, that was having a conversation with my manager and, and he ended up having a conversation with the GM of um, Vixens. Very, very lucky to have that conversation. And to be honest, I was just grateful to even have the opportunity to interview for the for, for the team. And I've always looked up to Vixens and I thought they were an amazing club on and off the court. Could not speak more highly of them now anyway as well. But at the time, I was just so grateful to even have that interview. And I got out of that interview and I was pretty happy with it, but they were asking me questions like, what are your strengths? What do you see as you need to improve? How did you feel last year went? How did the season go for you? And it's really hard to critically evaluate that um, and, and do it in a way that you're like, well, actually, this is how I felt. And that reflected, you know, positively and I could have made that impact. And I think it's really easy to feel like you've got to come up with these big solutions or these big outcomes or whatever job you had previously being like, yep, I've got... Um, you know, I've done all these amazing things, like I managed to get 2,000 more people involved, whatever, but it's actually the little things as well. And I think that's important to recognize is that some of the strengths aren't necessarily the big wins, but it's also the little wins that you have along the way and documenting them and making a list of what they are to help boost when you're feeling uncertain or, or unsure whether you've actually done anything good in that role and how you can take that into your next line of work is that you just take those little positives, those little wins, and then build off that. So if I heard you correctly, you went for the diversity and inclusion job and then ended up playing on top of that. Is that right? Yeah. So initially I got the job with Vixens and then I ended up um, speaking to them about possibly having a job in the office and, and what they can do to help. And I didn't know what that would be. I also knew that they had some connections with football clubs and um, a couple of other organizations. So I thought maybe that's where I would land um, in a role. But Turns out I actually uh, found my feet actually in the office in the community department and they said, look, um, about a month after I'd signed, they said, look, we've possibly got a role in diversity and inclusion. We have no idea whether that's up your alley or whether that's anything related to what you would like to do, um, but you're welcome to interview for it and see how you go and, and get to know the people who are currently doing it. And I said, yeah, sure, give it to me. I'm more than happy to. So I ended up doing that and um, I reckon I had two or three interviews with them and then eventually they came back and said, look, you're the preferred candidate. And yeah, I kind of started in Feb and 
have kind of run with it since then. I think it'd be easy for someone to look from the outside and think she's playing for the Vixens that has handed her a job. But in reality, you have to go through the same processes as everybody else, but you've just kind of used that suite of skills you've developed over time through your study and and, you, and your playing career to to help you get the job, which is fantastic. One question around, you know, when, when you were in that bit of limbo period where you're going from application to application, what was like one thing you would tell yourself in your mind to have the energy to make the effort to make that next application, to put that next application together? Because that's a very real feeling for a lot of students and a lot of people out there at the moment. They can't seem to kind of find the motivation to pick themselves up after another rejection. How how did you deal with that in your mind? I think first off, I'm a really positive person and I recognize about myself is that I am quite a positive, I have really positive mindset. So for me to get back out there, um, it was challenging because you're defeated. Um, but it's not going to hurt if you put one more application together. You're not going to be worse off by putting another application together. If anything, you're going to be a better writer, a better person, and your skill set in being able to articulate yourself better and understand what your own strengths are, that's what's going to actually develop. And and whether you realise it or not, whether you don't get that job, it's another experience that you can bank and put into your armour and say, hey, I haven't had that but the rejection is just going to make me stronger. And you'll know how to handle that better the more you go through it. The first time is almost like ripping a Band-Aid and when you don't get the answer you're after and you're hoping and desire for, it can be really challenging. But take a breath, take some time for yourself in those moments and then know that, you know, just try putting an application together. Maybe you can start an application and when you find that job pop up on Seek or wherever it happens to be or a friend tells you about it, then you've got something ready to go and you have to keep an open mind because you never know where the opportunity is going to come from. You don't know who is out there as well. And I think that's the important thing. You can't just look at one avenue and think it's going to be okay to go just off that, whether that's the internet or you're betting on someone to go on maternity leave or whatever it happens to be. It's about making sure that you've got your options open and keeping an open mind and being really flexible in what that looks like. In your professional netball career, you you mentioned how you would take 120 to 200 shots a day to make sure that your shooting is up to scratch. Did that same approach come across in your job application preparation? Were you doing, I don't know, 100 questions a day or something every day for a few weeks? Like what was your approach to that? Well, because I'd just come out of university, I ended up looking at university notes that I'd taken on. Um, I know it sounds really silly, but I ended up looking at stuff that was going to be interesting for the role. So for me, that was Indigenous studies. So uh, a lot of the work that they were talking about with me in the initial interview was about Indigenous programs. Um, so I decided to look up culturally what's the right way to discuss Indigenous populations and Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islander people and um, how I can create a more inclusive language into my, you know, Kalia lexicon, if you like, and, and what that looks like and making it really personalised as well so that I'm tailoring my studies to the role but also knowing that I can bring a lot more and what experiences have I learnt along the way in both my athlete netball life but also personal life and different things that have happened that I can 
positively influence over that role. So I didn't necessarily take a hundred questions and just answer them all, but I definitely looked at what I'd done throughout my studies and, and kind of go from there. I don't mind the netball approach to that though, Rubes, that you were referencing there, the 100, 100 questions in replace of 100 goals. I don't mind it. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and you had a sort of a similar role for the Fever. Am I wrong? I think you were community engagement officer. Did you draw yeah. on any of that experience in, in getting this role now? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think for me that was kind of more of an ad hoc role than what this one was. I've got more time to actually put into this job, whereas previously there was a lot more um, community engagement through clinics and appearances and and looking at different ways that I can engage with the community. So yes and no, I think from that more sociable, personal, you know, touch point with people, that was kind of more the community engagement role. And um, whereas in, I'm more in the office at the moment and, yes, I can take programs and run clinics and sessions and whatever with different kids. But I think for me um, at the moment that was more that practical side and this is more that theory side and how I can apply my learnings um, in that way. And do you think now that you've done this role, you know, working in community sport, do you think post netball whenever that might come do you think you'll go back to sort of health promotion and you know what you've studied or are you gonna it has this sort of sparked an interest in you know you could possibly keep working through community sport i think for me performing live gives me such a rush no i'm joking that was a quote from <laughs> thanks for laughing guys thank you um no. very well delivered can we keep this this is in the outtakes it's happening <laughs> nah, um, this is in the main body yeah this no 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 that's the worst thing you could do um yeah i think for me i have a real desire and real passion for helping people and Nutrition has always been a passion of mine from when I was really, really young. I wanted to be a chef when I was younger and when I got to 17, 18, I had to make a decision what I was going to do and what I wanted to study and for me that was the next best thing to being a chef. So I ended up taking nutrition and then halfway through the degree I realised that um, maybe I can do something else as well, maybe I can add something else to that. Um, Yeah, I think the health promotions had really opened up a lot of doors for me that I didn't realize I had an interest in. And I think understanding different communities and different cultures and different backgrounds and the way that impacts people's lives. And I guess that diversity part for me and the inclusion part is actually incorporating more people into things and generating a more positive experience for people in any different aspect. And that's what I really love and I love seeing people smile and, you know, for, for the girls that are involved in, in the Murray Little Shield competition, which is um, a competition, a state team of netball, 10 girls get to go away as a state team and they've got an intellectual disability. So for them to be able to be in a state team wouldn't necessarily be possible in the mainstream netball competition. So for us to be able to provide this opportunity for them is really special and you see them get so excited and, you know, give it their all every single time and it's those kind of rewards um, that I really look for and I really am, yeah, driven by and really motivated by as well because it's such an exciting space and I think there's so much more that can be done as well and going forward, wherever it happens, wherever netball takes me, whether it's, you know, this year, five years, eight years, ten years, whatever it happens to be, I know that this is something I want to continue for a really long time and I think 
there's so many different ways I can go about it as well. It doesn't just have to be in sport. It can be anything to do with nutrition and, and the way that people eat and the behaviour behind that. And I think, yeah, I I could talk about food and nutrition to the cows come home and, you know, understanding cultures better as well for me is something I really enjoy and, and Indigenous populations and how can we better incorporate them into into programs and how can we use sport as a medium to to fuel that. That's fantastic. It's not hard to tell that you're extremely passionate about that. Um, I want to ask one question around your time management because you mentioned that, you know, there's not a lot of downtime. You're basically either working, playing netball, training or recovering. How do you or manage sleeping. it all? Like, what, they're all sleeping. You know, how, you know what, what sort of things are you using? Like what, what is your, you know, preferred use of calendar? How do you block out time? How do you chunk time? Like how do you kind of um, – Oh, we're getting the calendar out. <laughs> how do you how do you deal with it all? Like, what what what's your approach? Um, so I use Google Calendar, and my life is on Google Calendar. And if I don't have my phone on me, I really don't know what's going on with my day. I put everything <laughs> in there. Um, it's got a lot of things about people's lives as well. So I've got a friend of mine who's finishing her law degree. Um, it's got in my calendar on this particular day to last ever exam. So I put everything in to make sure I'm not missing anything, but also like people's birthdays and what training I've got and any extras that I do, I always put it in there as well. Any sessions I have with kids and I do netball sessions, any of those things, they all go into my calendar. I do have to admit, I do have a very busy life. And I think sometimes I get bit caught up thinking I'm not really that busy and I'm I'm fine I can always do heaps of things but I know as well that for me I like to function at a really high you know and fast pace and I love that um that way of living and I think sometimes it's actually harder for me to stop because I feel like I need to be doing something and getting out there so when I'm not playing netball or when I'm not at work, I'm usually either going for a walk, grabbing a coffee, like I'm still pretty active when I'm not doing those things. And just because I'm involved in sport and it's a really physical demanding job doesn't mean I don't take time to do stuff outside that's still exercise based because I actually really enjoy that as well. And yeah, I think for me, the the easiest way for me to describe my time management is writing it down in my calendar, making sure it's all there. And if it's not there, then I stress because I'll get a message being like, hi, are you free at this time? And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know. And I go straight to my phone and that's the easiest way. But, yeah, we're very lucky that our netball schedule is provided by the team manager and she's the one who actually puts that side of our calendar in and the rest of it. I have a um, Google Excel spreadsheet (laughs) which I use to maintain my work schedule and so my boss knows where I am at all times. That, that was going to be my next question. Like, have have you always been like this or was it only since you became a professional athlete? Because, you know, you obviously can't miss a training or can't miss a game. But, you know, when it was kind of up to your own devices to motivate yourself to do these different things to get to a certain level, was your time management, you know, kicking in at, a, at an early age to allow you to get to this point? I'd like to say yes, but I know the answer isn't actually that at all I (laughs) I like to squeeze a lot in I know there's I think you probably heard it before but there's people who like to rock up early and they're happy to wait around then there's the people who say they're going to rock up early and they rock up about five ten minutes late 
And then there's the other people who know wholeheartedly they're never going to be there on time and they just tell you that they'll be 20 minutes late and you just have to accept it. <laughs> I I like to think I'm early or I'm going to be early, but I always put something else in or try and squeeze something in. And I think from a young age I realised I like to be busy and I was that one at school who had, oh, now I'm just going to, now this is just embarrassing, but um, I was involved in four, four choirs at school. I was always at before school activities or after school activities. Um, In my final year at school, I was doing chemistry and really wanted to make sure I was putting in the effort. So I ended up doing before school classes with the teacher um, for about half an hour before we started school so that I could make sure I was like on top of everything. And particularly with um, netball, nationals happens throughout the year when school's happening. School doesn't stop for, for netball. So I missed a whole two weeks of school had to play catch-up trying to understand what the hell was going on in class before and after that. And then on top of that, you've got, you know, expectations to try and deliver in the classroom and and make sure your grades are okay. But also I had a bunch of different things going on and I'm trying to play musical instruments and sing in choirs and, and do volleyball after school and swimming before school and whatever else and try and work a job on a Saturday as well as doing three sports outside or two sports I think it was outside and and trained for both those at the same time so I think I've always been someone who enjoys being busy and I think it's always been helpful having someone else around you that can remind you that you need to be somewhere. Good we've got um, some choir royalty on this podcast Rubes. Um, Well that that explains why you're so passionate about performing. Yeah well (laughs) they do choir well uh, down at St Mary's Anglican Girls School Sister School of Hale, uh, Ruse, which you'd be familiar with, um, yep. where I was in the choir once upon a time. Uh, oh, so, there's a couple of really good voices on this call, uh, which is exciting. So, yeah, I'm surprised I didn't, didn't bump into you then, okay? But, um, no, I gave, gave that one up in year eight. I just realised the schedule was too much and just sort of had to – something I had to give. So, yeah, the choir, unfortunately, yeah. was one to go. What did you give it up for? Uh, probably, <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably wanted to go home at three thirty. Uh, I was pretty busy. Oh yeah, post no, school. that that would help. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but no, I, I reckon year eight, you're probably you're probably training for footy four nights a week. So priorities, you know, look look where it's led me. Uh, you know, we've hit the big time of the footy, so. Anyway, we could talk about choirs forever. Um, and it, I mentioned to St. Mary's and Hale students out there, they would be listening um, for this one as well. So, Kay, going back to Super Netball, from an outsider looking in and, and, you know, from someone who, you know, loosely follows the netball but has never really followed it really closely, it feels like there's just this huge momentum around netball in Australia at the moment. And I know, you know, a couple of weeks ago we came and, and watch you play, and I we were just sitting there, and I was like, "This is actually awesome!" Like I absolutely loved it, um, and it, I just kind of felt like that momentum is well and truly there. Can you feel that as a player as well? You, you know, can you feel all the the positive energy towards Australian netball at the moment? Oh, hundred percent. And I think that's the thing I've noticed over the last five to ten years is that we've seen a real shift in the momentum um, of netball and and female sport in general actually and how that's been portrayed in the media. Uh, We've seen financially an increase in salary uh, with players in netball. 
And we've also seen increased media coverage. And I think that's the key in understanding that, you know, sport used to be just a sporting product and it's no longer just a sporting product. It's an entertainment product. And we are competing against a hell of a lot of different programs on TV. So for us to be able to generate income, it's about getting eyeballs, watching the TV, watching netball week in, week out. And that's what's going to generate more for women's sport and also for netball within Australia. And I think we've seen that increase recently, but, you know, there's so many more, there's so much more we can do to help support that. Um, I think you guys coming to the game the other week was a really good example of how we've, we've got people who've never been to a netball game before and all of a sudden experiencing it for the first time and, and understanding how physical, how full on, how cool of a game it really is and, and how game day experience um, can really help to lift and generate that interest even further, even when you're not coming to the games week in, week out, but, you know, generate that fan base and that following as well. Yeah, I must say the the match prez was just awesome. We had Pete Laser there, Rubes, who we'd be familiar with, does a bit of work with CA, down there getting the crowd going. And I was, I honestly, we were sitting there having a couple of beers, had a burger. I was like, this is actually awesome. So, you know, obviously we get some special tickets from you, which is fantastic. <laughs> it's a great deal and some of the best seats in the house. So, yeah, we'll be back. Oh, I, I only provide the best. So, you know. Fantastic. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to a bit of corporate hospitality, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we might uh, we might uh, wrap did up you get with corporate our, hospitality. I didn't know about. Yeah, yeah, we're off in the box, Kay. I don't know what. what yeah, what do you oh, think okay, we had? Right. Yeah, well, I sure. thought that's the standard going forward. I thought, and I, I said to Rose before. Obviously, we're in corporate hospitality before, so the sports grad team will will rock in in the next few weeks. I would have thought, and 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 hit yeah, up some corporate hospitality. Yeah, don't don't expect that he paid for those beers and those burgers. <laughs> oh, okay, good. That's good to know. Good to know. <laughs> okay, one last question. Um, a lot of people have this misconception that you have to be a professional athlete to then go on to work in sport. What is one thing that those people can apply to their job hunt or career to make up for their the fact they're not a professional athlete. What do they need to do to get a job in sport if you're not a professional athlete? There are so many things that you can bring to sport, even if you haven't played at the highest level. And, you know, your understanding of community sport and what that looks like and how that's run can bring so much more than what someone in a professional sense has. And, you know, the connections that you have as a person and the way that you network and, and communicate with other people, that's actually the biggest thing that you can do. And as athletes, we're trained to communicate effectively out on court and away from the court and develop those relationships. And um, it's it's about understanding what athletes can bring. And sometimes it is that star power and connections and, you know, the media side of it and, and understanding all these different people But just because that's at the top level and it's on display all the time doesn't mean that you don't have those connections. It's probably just behind closed doors. And that's where I think all the magic can happen as well is that it doesn't have to be showy, it doesn't have to be flashy. It's about doing the groundwork and understanding what you can do um, to help wherever that particular organisation is needed. And, you know, I think people have spoken about it before, but it's about finding that gap. And for me, diversity and inclusion is that gap that needs more work and, and more, I guess, love and nurturing towards. And for so many different people, if you have a, 
an area or a pocket that you understand better when it comes to sport, whatever that happens to be, any side of the business, then know that that's what you can contribute and, and know what that's going to be able to bring to whatever organisation. Well, we will wrap it up there. Um, it has been absolutely awesome speaking to you and, you know, some of the things you said around, you know, just a week in your shoes playing netball is absolutely hectic. I'm not sure anyone could really be as busy as you are, but lots of things there that, you know, people out there who are listening can can really unpack and, and take on board and we really appreciate you giving an hour out of your busy schedule, which is rather tough, to come speak to us. So we really appreciate it and good luck for the rest of the season. No, thank you and thank you very much for allowing me to speak about what I do. I think it's really exciting to have that opportunity and, um, yeah, really grateful for being able to speak to you guys about it. Well, there we have it, Rubes. That was simply awesome, I thought, just getting that insight from a professional athlete as well as someone who who works in the industry, uh, a dual career as as we call it. But um, what are some key takeaways from your point of view? Well, Ryan, you you know how much I love my Google Calendar. So when Kalia whipped out her phone and showed us hers and explained that absolutely everything was in there from her friend's exams to birthdays to training to her work schedule, I thought this is someone who's like on top of, of everything. So, you know, if I'm listening to Kalia, I'm downloading Google Calendar or whatever calendar app I currently ha- can get access to. And if I'm currently using one as well, I'm making sure that everything is in there because as Kaylee demonstrated, now she just follows her phone. It's in there. She follows her phone. She sticks to it. That's how she gets her discipline. That's how she gets her results to lead her to become not only a professional athlete, but also working in the industry as well. So I think using a calendar uh, to a T is probably the number one thing I'd be working on after listening to Kaylee. Yeah, download your life into the calendar. It will certainly help. Well, seems to work for Kaylee, which is awesome. Mate, one thing I took away and, you know, it was really cool to hear, but she sort of discovered her passion for, you know, helping people and, you know, diversity and inclusion through professional netball. Um, You know, we heard her speak about how she obviously studied health promotion earlier and took nine years to, to do a course, obviously juggling professional sport as well as that. So, she actually found that, you know, she wants to continue this long term and, and keep doing this, which is, you know, it's a bit of a lesson for anyone in that you can be doing something that you weren't expecting and it might trigger something that you love. So, don't, you know, don't shut any doors in terms of where you want to end up. She found that through professional netball. So, that was really cool to hear as well. And last one for me, she talked about, and I thought this was like really good of her to be open and honest with us. She talked about the disappointment of, you know, missing out on that contract with the with the West Coast Fever and then even how some of that disappointment carried through to some of the job applications she was putting out. Uh, I think that's such a, a powerful insight to hear from someone of Kalia's um, status for people who are just getting started in their careers to know that people like Kalia go through that too, but they find a way to push through and come out better the other side. And I think sometimes that's what a lot of people need who are, you know, facing that constant job application rejection. So some of the tips that she gave around to continue persevering through that and noting that even if you get it wrong, every single application is an experience. You learn from it, 
you iterate, you get better the next time. You're always just one step closer to getting it right. So I thought that athlete mindset that she was applying to her job applications is something that people can apply to their own situations too. Absolutely, mate. Well, that'll do us. Uh, Rest that hamstring, ice it and elevate it. Uh, I've done plenty of those in my time. So hit me up if you need any tips. Otherwise, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Hey team, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your friends or your classmates who also have to figure out all of this sports career stuff. As you can see, this podcast is practically a masterclass and it's free. And you and your circles deserve to have it. So please share it far and wide. Finally, when you're ready to make sense of tackling jobs in sport, go check out the Sports Grad Method. This is an ebook I wrote based on eight years of trying to get into the sports industry and teaching others how to do it too. All of that is condensed down into a proven process to getting jobs in sport. If you're like me and enjoy things broken out into logical steps, then I think you're going to enjoy it. To get a hold of that, download it from www.sportsgrad.com.au. Thanks again for listening. Chat to you soon.